Today we're beginning a new series called Integrity. In the next few weeks we're going to be looking at three passages in Psalms that show us how to build a life of integrity. Integrity is a word that we need to use with caution. When some people hear it, it sounds to them like an accusation. They think, integrity? That's not me. I don't have it. When other people hear it, they pat themselves on the back with a sense of smug self-satisfaction. Yep, I'm in the top tier. I have integrity. The problem with integrity, as with the word character, is that many people pick and choose where they want it to be applied. That's why we have to be careful with how we use the word integrity. Everyone fails the integrity test in at least a few areas. In fact, let's take a quick test right now. I'm going to give you a chance to evaluate yourselves. So grab a piece of paper and a pencil. I'm going to mention a few areas in which integrity is crucial, and I want you to grade yourself silently on a scale of 1 to 10 on your level of integrity for the past three months. That's 1 being low, 10 being high. There are 15 items, so grab that paper and pencil so that you'll be able to remember your answers later. But let me remind you that this is a private assessment, so if the person next to you is writing out their answers, don't look at their paper, or you automatically fail the exam. But grade yourself 1 to 10 in each area. Here's the first one, telling the truth. And I'm going to give you about five seconds to think on each one of these. Second, keeping your word, doing what you said you'd do. Three, showing up on time to meetings, to work, and so on. Four, managing your money. That's paying your bills, spending responsibly, living within your means. Next one, doing your job. Giving your boss or your clients an honest day's labor for an honest day's pay. Next, sharing credit. At work, at home, giving people proper credit for what they do. Next up, Internet browser history. Which websites are you looking at? And then conversation. Talking to others. Talking about others. Just your general vocabulary. Giving. This includes tithing and sharing your abundance with others. Helping others. Being willing to inconvenience yourself in order to do something good for someone else. Next up, managing your emotions. Anger, self-pity, pride, bitterness, arrogance, patience, stuff like that. Next, respect. Treat people with dignity, regardless of color or position or economic status. Next, prayer life. If you are a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, is prayer a foundational part of your life? Number 14. Bible study. Are you spending time daily in the Word? And lastly, fifth, worship. I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm talking about private devotional worship where every day you surrender to and celebrate the Lordship of Jesus. Now, I could easily add another 10 or so items to this list, but these are areas that help us best determine where we land on the integrity spectrum. Now, if you wrote down your answers, you can add them up quickly and check your score. 
perfect score on this would be 150. Now, if anyone scored a perfect score, it might be because you <clears throat> misunderstood the exam. After all, I wanted you to grade yourself, not me. I'm just kidding. This number is your integrity index. Over the course of the next several uh, weeks, it's my prayer that this number will increase as you strengthen your performance in these areas. Now, as we begin this series, I want us to be aware of three foundational principles. First, integrity involves every area of your life, not just the areas you're good at. Second, no matter where you are today on the integrity spectrum, you can get better. If your score today was 15, and that's been your score all your life, it's not too late to make some changes and start climbing the integrity ladder. And third, the integrity that matters most is your integrity. You may be tempted to evaluate your husband or wife or your brother or sister or your friends or neighbors or your pastor or employer or anybody other than yourself, but that's not what this is all about. Now, obviously, there are times when you need to make decisions based on your perceptions of another's integrity. But for the purposes of what we're going to deal with, I want your focus to be on developing and increasing your own personal integrity score. Today we're going to look at the fundamentals of integrity, <clears throat> where it begins, what it looks like, and where it takes you. Our scripture today is Psalm 112, and you should just take time to read that. Now first of all, let's take a look at the foundation of integrity. Where does it begin? Well, in verse 1 of our psalm, it says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in man. The men and women that I have known personally who have demonstrated most consistently and across the board level of integrity are men and women who base their lives on these two values. They fear the Lord and they delight in his commands. Think about this, fear the Lord. At its most fundamental level, it means that you're able to say, there is a God and it's not me. You no doubt have known people who mistakenly thought they were God. They thought that the world revolved around them and their wants and needs and goals and dreams. Now these people may be talented, they may be driven, and they may be accomplished. They're also quite typically tremendously selfish. When you live like you are the center of the universe, the people around you end up paying the price. Integrity begins with an attitude that says, I'm not the be-all and end-all. There is a God to whom I am accountable. I take it a step further and say that it's not just recognizing that there is a God. It's also about having a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. It understands that there is more to this life than just the physical world that we can see and touch. There is a spiritual element to life, a world that is not seen with the eyes but experienced in the deepest part of you. In order to be fully human and fully alive, and in order to be a complete human, we need to have a thriving spiritual life. Integrity begins with the relationship with God. Our relationship with God is through Jesus. Integrity begins with surrendering yourself to the Lordship of Jesus the Christ. Now I would imagine that most of you that are listening today have done that. Most of you have already come to a point in your lives in which you invited Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins and to be your Lord and Savior. And at that point, you were born again. That's where the spiritual life begins, but it's not where it ends. 
Every day we need to surrender ourselves anew. It's not that you need to be saved again every day. It's, it's that you need to be to submit yourself so that through him you can become the person he designed you to be, fully human, alive, and whole. The second part of this verse says he finds great delight in his commands. David, who wrote this psalm, is talking about having a moral compass, a person who understands the difference between right and wrong and prefers to do what is right. Now, you cannot be a person of integrity without a strong moral compass. Let me ask, what is your moral compass? Well, it is the commands of God. In other words, it's the Bible. The Bible helps us to define the difference between what is right and what is wrong. Through Scripture, we learn how to develop an across-the-board approach to integrity because the Bible challenges us to excel in every area of our life. The Holy Spirit, through the words of Scripture, will say to us, that's good, but how's your thought life? How do you treat your family? What about your racial biases? And on and on. You want to become a person of integrity? Here's where you start. Every morning, get alone with God, just you and Him, and a Bible, for at least 15 minutes. Begin with praise, submit yourself to His Lordship, dedicate yourself to do His will, and then ask Him to speak to you through His Word. If you've never done this before and you don't know where to begin, let me just suggest that maybe you start with the book of Proverbs or maybe the book of James. If you make this a daily habit and put into practice what you learn during your time with God, your integrity index will increase in every area. A life of integrity begins when you connect spirituality, or you connect spiritually with God and you delight in His Word. Well, second, <clears throat> let's take a look at integrity in action. We can kind of sum up what integrity looks like. You can actually sum it up in three words. A person of integrity treats people well. Every time you encounter another person, you have the opportunity to practice holiness. And holiness really is about how we treat other people. The same can be said for integrity. A person of integrity treats people well. In today's text, David gives us some examples, and most of them are self-explanatory, so I'm going to go through these rather quickly and give some thought to how we can put these actions into our daily lives. But David says, first of all, the person of integrity in verse 4 is gracious. It can be as simple as saying thank you or congratulating someone. It can mean accepting defeat with dignity or winning with humility. It can mean showing appreciation for someone's effort, even if their effort was less than perfect. It can mean offering gentle correction rather than harsh criticism. Above all, I would say that integrity is kindness void of condescension. In other words, pleasant. Well, David also says in verse 4 that a person of integrity is compassionate. This doesn't just mean that you understand how it feels to be in another person's shoes. It means that you're willing to take at least a few steps in them. It means that you're less likely to judge others and more likely to be an agent of change in their lives. David also says that a person of integrity is righteous. Now, many people equate this word <clears throat> with religious behavior or even a holier-than-thou behavior. They're righteous, and they think self-righteous. But really, this word isn't a religious word. It just means right doing or right thinking. A person of integrity does what is right. If they make a promise, they keep it. If they owe a bill, they pay it. If they make a mistake, they correct it. You can depend on a person of integrity to do what's right in every area. 
David also says in verses 5 and 9 that a person of integrity is generous. It says, in other words, he lends freely and has scattered his gifts to the poor. Now, let me give you just a little example. Last year, a story went viral when a restaurant customer received their check and saw that the restaurant had included an 18% gratuity, which on that bill amounted to about $6. The customer marked out the $6 and replaced it with zero and wrote, I give God 10%, why do you get 18%? Well, to make matters worse, this person actually signed the check, Pastor So-and-So. Now, someone at the restaurant was offended and posted a picture of the receipt on Facebook. Now, of course, as with all stories that go viral, there are some details that don't get included, so it's wrong to jump to a hasty conclusion. I mean, the pastor said that the tip was left in cash on the table. But even if this pastor did leave a tip, the attitude behind the note was hurtful. I mean, after all, the system in our country is that restaurant servers often live off their tips. And many of the people who work in restaurants live on the edge of poverty. If you don't like that system, then don't eat in restaurants. But when a person refuses to tip their server, they're basically refusing to pay someone for their work and in so doing are compromising their integrity. Because, after all, as Psalm 112 says, a person with integrity is generous. David also says that a person of integrity is fair-minded. He says they conduct their affairs with justice. I think we know innately when something is fair or not. Now we've all seen people in power and even some religious people rationalize the mistreatment of the poor or racism or injustice. The person of integrity knows no such rationalization. The person of integrity does all things in a spirit of fair-mindedness, even-handedness and justice. Do you want to become a person of integrity? Take a real close look at how you interact with others. Are you gracious, compassionate, righteous, generous, fair-minded? Every time you treat another person according to these principles, you increase your integrity index a notch. Well, finally, what is integrity's payday? In other words, what can you expect from living a life in which you fear God, delight in his word, and treat people well? David tells us that those people who walk in integrity reap a harvest in three areas. Here's payoff number one. You'll be blessed. In fact, that's how David begins Psalm 112. Blessed is the man. Well, blessed is another one of those religious words that you only hear when you're in church or when someone sneezes. You know, some Bible translations translate it as happy, but translating it happy leaves a little bit to be desired. One scholar defined the Hebrew word for blessed this way, quote, to endue with power for success, prosperity, productivity, creativity, and longevity, end of quote. Have you ever been in a situation where something good happened and you instinctively pumped your fist and said, yes? Well, that's what being blessed is, having those yes moments again and again throughout the day, day after day. Integrity paves the way to a quality of life that you just can't achieve by taking shortcuts or by taking advantage of other people. The bottom line is that a person with integrity feels better. You experience more of God's power. Your work is more meaningful. It's more satisfying. You're blessed. David also says in verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house. Now, of course, wealth and riches are relative terms. 
Recently, I read about a person who said, I'm not content to spend the rest of my working life seeking out a six-figure income. I want to make real money. Well, i got to tell you, most people would consider a six-figure income real money. At least I would. But I'd say that a person who walks in integrity has enough because they're blessed. And because they have integrity, they manage their money well, and they live within their means, and they create some stability and security for themselves. So they're not stressed out about finances all the time. Their integrity motivates them to give, and God is able to bless them more, so wealth and riches are in their house. The word blessed doesn't imply that you'll never have problems, because everybody has problems. But it does mean that your life will be rewarded in every area. Here's payoff number two. You'll be a positive influence on other people. Verses two and three. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His righteousness endures forever. The fact is that we all leave a legacy of influence. It's just a question of what kind. People of integrity leave something behind for their children that cannot be included in a will. A legacy of example of teaching, of caring, and of love. Here's payoff number three. You will live above your circumstances. In verse four, and then again in verses seven and eight, it says, Even in darkness light dawns for the upright. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look triumph. He will look in triumph on his foes. A friend once told me that after he gave his life to Christ, he was no longer afraid for the phone to ring. He used to be so afraid of bad news, of disaster, I mean, so afraid that something he did might get dis be discovered. And then he met Jesus, and he got serious about following him, and he changed the way he lived his life. And lo and behold, he's no longer really afraid of bad news. The person of integrity isn't afraid of getting found out. They're not afraid that their house of cards will collapse around them. They're not afraid that something will happen that they don't have the strength to handle. A person of integrity is secure and has a steadfast heart. Why? Well, it's because like verse 1 says, the person of integrity fears the Lord and finds great delight in his commands. As I was reading this psalm and as I worked on this message, one phrase kept coming to mind. It's this. Integrity is worth it. It's worth the effort. It's worth it for the good you will do in the lives of others, and it's worth for the good that God will pour into your life. Do you want to live a life of integrity? Surrender yourself today and every day of your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and get into his word. Decide today that you will delight in his commands, that you will take pleasure in doing right, not just in the areas that come naturally to you, but in every area across the board. Decide today that you want to be a person of integrity, fully human, fully alive, fully whole, and fully dedicated to Jesus. That's my prayer, not only for you, but for myself as well. And until next time, see the vision, live the mission, feel the passion.